finished the book of Micah last weekend. This weekend we're going to do a topical study on fruitfulness. The message is bear your fruit. B-A-R-E, your fruit. You know what to bear is? To show. This is something that the Lord's been working in my heart for the last couple weeks or so, couple, two, three weeks. And it's something that I really want to be intentional about seeking the Lord for. Because here's the deal. How many of you guys like fruit? Go ahead, raise your hand. Who likes fruit? What kind of fruit do you like? Interaction Sunday. What kind of fruit do you like? Mangoes, strawberries, papaya, pineapple, kiwi, apples. I like apple too. Android's terrible. Just kidding. That was the. <laughs> hey, he set me up for it. Come on. The idea of fruit is something that's pleasurable, it's something that's pleasant, it's something that you want to partake of. Like strawberries. Oh, man. So good. You, you blend those puppies up. You know, Grace makes us smoothies during the summer. We were doing this, this kind of diet thing. I know it doesn't show, but, you know, we'll talk about that another time. So when it's hot out in the summer, Grace does these smoothies where she takes all of these fruits that she has in the freezer and she takes them out and she puts them all together and she adds some orange juice and some other stuff. It's a, it's a magical recipe. And she blends it up and, it, and it's this, this smoothie that is absolutely delectable. It is so good. In fact, she makes me a big old fat glass of it. And by the time that I drink that and eat my salad, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of full. You know, I, I, feel, I feel pretty good. But the best part of that is, is tasting all those fruits. They taste so good. Fruit is meant to be a blessing for us. That's why God created fruit, so that we could partake of it and enjoy it. So when we talk about fruitfulness in the context of our Christian walk, what, what does that look like? I think that it would be similar, since it is the same word, to that which we understand to be fruit in the physical sense. So if we partake of fruit that's delightful, the fruit of the Spirit should also be delightful. In fact, it is. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5, not yet. Right now, we're going to look at the heart of God behind His desire for us to be fruitful. Because as much as we understand this morning that fruit is good... It's even better for us to understand how important it is to God that his people are fruitful. And fruitfulness doesn't come from nothing. Fruitfulness has some requirements attached to it. Just like agriculturally in the world, there's certain things that you can do, which we can talk about a little bit, to make your trees, your vineyards, your orchards more fruitful. So do we as Christians want to produce fruit? Yeah. Yeah. Or do we as Christians want to produce abundant fruit? John chapter 15, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, one particular thing that I would like to point out to you this morning, the context of what Jesus is saying in John chapter 15, he's saying the night before the day when he goes to the cross and is crucified. So we have to put that setting in there. This isn't something that Jesus is just arbitrarily saying This is something that he's prepared to share with the disciples, with the apostles, so that they're prepared not just for tomorrow, but for the future, and reminding them God's intention for them to be fruitful. We can break this text down and look at it in a few different ways. First of all, he says, I am the true vine. Throughout Scripture, whenever there was a reference to the vine, especially in the Old Testament, it was always a reference to the nation of Israel. In fact, there was a great golden vine in front of the temple. And some speculate that maybe Jesus is walking by the temple and they see the vine and and they're looking at the vine, they're looking at Jesus, and Jesus said, I am the true vine. By abiding in the nation, by abiding in who the nation of Israel is called to be, you will not produce the fruit that you would produce if you abide in me. I'm the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Now, vine dressers are an interesting job. And I think whenever we read these verses, what is the first thing that you think of when you read that you need to be pruned up sometimes? What's the first thing you think? Man, the tough stuff, right? discipline, cutting, chopping. And I think of all the stuff that needs to get chopped out of my life and I get scared. I'm like, Lord, prune slowly. (laughs) Lord, prune gently. Lord, prune those things today and tomorrow that, that you need to, but let's draw the process out a little bit so it doesn't hurt too bad. When in fact, the vine dresser did much, much, much more than just pruning. We lived in Croatia. We would have these vast fields of vineyards. We had friends that own acres and acres of vineyards. And they would go out and they were vine dressers. And their only intention in being a vine dresser was not to go cut a bunch of branches off. Their intention was to go out into the vineyard and care for the vine so that it could produce the best quality possible. And there's more entailed to that than just cutting off branches. This word prunes, in fact, and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. That word prunes in the Greek is actually translated better to cleanse. Most times when you see that word, in fact, it is translated cleanse. Now, we know that still there needs to be a pruning that happens. But an even more important element of the vine producing good fruit is that the vine is cared for and it's cleansed and washed. This is something that we saw again over in Croatia. Another thing, uh, the Greek verb arrow is, is, is translated here, take away, but it's more accurately translated to lift up. This is also something that you can see in reality. You go out to a vineyard, 
If it's a good vine dresser, what does he have? He has these, these standing poles with wires, and he has the vines hanging down. Because what happens if the vines are on the ground, they get dirty, they don't produce, they're harder to prune, and the fruit gets crushed. And you pick up the fruit, and it's not good for anything. In fact, how many of you want to pick up fruit off the ground and eat it? You don't. When you go picking for fruit, what do you do? You look for the ripest, the ripest before it's about to fall, but it hasn't fell. You don't look for the last one that probably fell and pick that one up off the ground. Why? Because of dirtiness, which is opposite of what we're talking about here, cleanliness. How we are cleansed and how the Lord lifts us up so that we're not crushed and unfruitful. In fact, it's a much better picture of the vine dresser and his heart and his intention for us than just some guy who's going out with shears cutting everything up. Which, uh, unfortunately, my entire Christian life has been more of the perspective that I've had. God wants to cut me up and cut me down and slice me up. I'm unworthy. I'm unholy. In fact, it's the opposite of what God says of us. It says that we are cleansed. We are holy. We are lifted up. And when we're down, the vine dresser's intention is to lift us up so that we can be more fruitful. In fact, you get the context of what I'm trying to say in verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The word of God cleanses us. Can I get an amen? A big one. The Word of God cleanses us. When we are in the Word and we are seeking Him, listen, when I am in the Word, I am more cleansed on a daily basis than when, I, when I'm not in the Word and when I'm not, I feel it. I feel dirty. You are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken to you, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So back to Croatia, okay? We have these friends who have these vast vineyards. And sometimes they'd ask us, hey, do you want to come out and help? And we had this one friend who had a, he had a vineyard and he had an, an olive grove as well. And he'd say, hey, do you want to come help us? And we'd go, you know, and we'd help him with, get the olives and clean them and everything. And they, they kind of cure the olives in this, this big 55-gallon uh, drums of salt water. They live right on the sea. They fill this drum up and they put all the olives in and it gives it this really sweet, salty taste. It's really, really a cool uh, experience the, the process of how they make it. But then we go out there this one time and, and, and I say to him, hey, can we take some of the olive oil? Can we have a bottle? He says, no, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, why not? Why can't we? I thought we were friends, you know? He's like, our supply is very strict. We, have, we, we use a, about uh, uh, at least a liter or two of olive oil a week, and we have it calculated out where this year we just got harvested enough to where there's just enough for our family. I'm like, I'm never helping you again. Just kidding, I didn't say that. The benefit of the fruit of whatever you're harvesting is that it's to be enjoyed. It's to be shared, Right? So we also had this house in Croatia we were renting, had a big garden in the back, and we had uh, a canopy in the front of vines. 
And these vines in the summertime, they would, they would grow and they would blossom and the leaves were as big as my hand and they'd cover this whole canopy and it would shade our entire front yard in the front of our house. And Thomas and Mila were still really small then. We have pictures of them uh, on their stomach, you know, twiddling their legs around or sitting on the front patio, enjoying the shade from the vines. The vines were so high that they're about 10 feet above on this canopy. And when the season would come where the, that would produce grapes and it would ripen, you would see these beautiful, huge cluster. I'm talking foot and a half, two foot hanging down, these beautiful, big clusters of grapes. And we would take the grapes or our landlord would come take the grapes. He was a nice guy. He would let us have them and do whatever we wanted with them. But then at the end of the season, the plant would start dying. And as soon as the plant was dead, we'd go up and we, we would, well, he did it the first time, but he made me do it after that. I'm like, you don't get any grapes next year, bud. If I'm going to be doing all the vine dressing, I didn't say that. But we would go up and we would trim all of the branches and they would all fall down and it would be like a skeleton of a vine on top of this, this, this canopy. And next year, the same thing would happen over and over again. And I don't know what it was, but there was something about when we were driving into the house in that season where the grapes were ripening or when we were out on our front patio drinking a coffee, just looking at those big bundles of fruit hanging down. And I would go out with the hose and I would spray them because, you know, things get dusty. The vines would get dusty, the fruit, and I would clean them. In the sense of pruning, when I was growing up, also we had uh, at our house out in Pahrump, actually, we had tomato plants. Have any of you guys ever had tomato plants before? There's these things that grow on tomato plants. They're called suckers, right? And they grow in the elbow of a regular branch. And if you don't properly go through and break off all the suckers, what happens? The plant gets huge and it spreads out. And why are they called suckers? Because they suck the life out of the fruitfulness of the plant. So that's a good example of the pruning that's necessary that needs to be done so that the, the bush or whatever the, the tree is that is producing fruit can expend all of its energy into producing the fruit, not producing these branches that as they get bigger, they never produce fruits, ever. The suckers never produce fruit. They only suck the life out of the rest of the plant and take away from the fruit that could be produced. I would submit to you this morning, I'm sorry, if you're taking notes, jot this down, that there's some suckers in your life right now. That there's some things that need to be either pruned or torn off so that you can be more fruitful. And our dependence and reliance isn't on us ourselves identifying what these suckers are. It, God himself, the vine dresser, is faithful to show us, hey, sucker, <laughs> there's a sucker. You're getting suckered. By not addressing that thing in your life, and I don't want you to be a sucker. I just like saying sucker. God has made you to be part of the vine. And God's heart and intention for you as a Christian is to produce as much fruit as possible. 
And I have to tell you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, I never want to come to the place where I'm just going through the motions because I call myself a Christian and I'm going to church and I'm doing a couple events and I'm singing on the worship, whatever the case may be. I want my life to be fruitful. As much as I like frozen smoothies in the summer, I want my life to be fruitful. Therefore, if my life is going to be fruitful, I can allow the vine dresser to have authority over my life, stay connected to the vine, and have him show me the things that need to be addressed. Nay, even sometimes he doesn't even tell me, he just takes it off. By his grace. Hindsight's twenty twenty. you say, why did that happen to me? Why is this happening to me? What's going on? And maybe a week down the road or two weeks, maybe six months, you say, that was a sucker. That was a sucker. And the Lord took it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Sorry, I had a hair in my mouth. The, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. How do you abide in the vine? How do you abide in the Lord? How do you do it? Well, John chapter 1 says that Jesus Christ is the word of God. And if it's the word that cleanses us, And Jesus says, abide in me. What's a good practical thing you can do to abide in him? The word. Get in the word. When I was in in, in college, um, I had this pastor professor who was talking about sermon preparation and ministry and serving in ministry. And this is what he said. He said, if you want to be a good teacher of the Bible and if you want to teach it well, Every time you get up for every hour that you teach, you need to have at least eight hours of prep into that sermon. And I was like, (laughs) eight hours? That's crazy. And he said, for me, it's a minimum. Sometimes I can do 10 or 12. But unless you're abiding in the vine, unless you're allowing the word of God to saturate you, you're not going to produce the fruit that you're able to. And do not be deceived. You cannot unless you are abiding in the vine. I want to say something today that could come across kind of harsh. And I think sometimes it's okay to say things like this. But I want to challenge you because I love you. I want to challenge myself. What does your guys' devotional lives look like? How much time do you spend each day in prayer? How much time do you spend each day in the Word? How much time do you spend each day with the Lord, in communion with the Lord. And I'm not saying this to lay a guilt trip on you or to make you feel bad. I'm saying this for the sake of your fruitfulness. Because it's not, if it's non-existent or if it's minimal, that will be your fruit also. It will be non-existent and it will be minimal. And I'll tell you what, the longer I don't spend with time in the Word and with the Lord, the, the madder I get at the guy who cuts me off. Dude, if I'm not in the Word, I'd be thinking stuff Pastor ain't should be thinking. Nobody should be thinking. But if I'm in the Word, 
the fruit of the Spirit of God is born in that instant. There's one of the fruits called patience, long-suffering. Do you know what long-suffering means? It means to suffer long. It's pretty easy. So you cut me off once, ah, yeah. Cut me off twice, ah, you know. How long is long? 77 times 7? Long-suffering. And when I am engaging God in a right relationship and I'm seeking Him not out of the law, not out of having to, not out of guilt, but out of a desire to be fruitful, out of a desire to bear fruitfulness in my life, you will bear fruit. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I was reading an article recently where this very prominent pastor here in the United States was talking to other pastors in this article and ministry leaders, and he said, that he gave this challenge. He said, for you pastors, if you want to be fruitful, you will spend at least two hours uh, in prayer and in the Word per day apart from your preparation for your services on Wednesday and Sunday and whatever else. Now, I'll, I'll be honest and I'll confess to you that I don't spend two hours every day in prayer and in the Word apart from the preparation that I have to do for the message. And it varies, you know, but you know, I, would like to, I would like to aim high and say a solid hour of prayer and meditation and being in the Word in addition to what I already have to do in the Word. Because the more time we spend, the more we seek, the more we cleanse, the, the more fruit comes. And then the question would be again, do you want to be a fruitful Christian? Man, I remember in the early days when I was younger and I just gobbled up the word every day. I just spent so, seriously, I spent so much time reading the Bible I would spend minimum of an hour every night reading the Bible before I went to bed. And sometimes I would get caught up in it and I would read more. And I would circle and underline and I just spent hours and, and as time went by and, and I had to do other studies and prepare other things, it, it just kind of got cut back. I was more tired at night or I wanted me time. Me time? <laughs> what is me time? Yeah, not the me time I was talking about. I'm talking about feeding the flesh me time. I'm talking about doing things I just like to do, you know, like eating quesadillas at 10 o'clock at night. It's really not healthy for you. And every time I do, you know, I shouldn't be doing this, but it's so good. I should start fasting at night, you know. The branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Unfortunately, I have met people who call themselves Christians or who are Christians who uh, desire to bear fruit, but they're not connected to the vine. They're just do-gooders. And they want to do good. They want to help people. 
But after a while, that desire is frustrated because they aren't bearing fruit that's born of God. They're bearing fruit that is more closely related to the flesh. And the number one sign that I've seen in the past of somebody who's doing this is very quickly, by no coincidence, a root, get it? A root of what? Bitterness starts to take hold. And there's not a bearing of the fruit of God, a root of bitterness takes hold, and then they start to separate themselves, they start to judge other Christians, they start to go down the list of, this is what I do, what do you do? What are you doing? What have you done? Here's my resume. And it's not fruit that's born of God, it's fruit that's born of the flesh, anger, malice, pride. So we can recognize those things if we're honest with ourselves and we allow the Spirit of God to convict us and say, yeah, maybe that's a root that needs to be rooted out, Tim. Man, I wanted to say somebody else's name so bad, right? Because I don't want it to be me. But the reality is if I want to be fruitful, then it has to be me. The question has to be directed at this wicked heart. I am the vine, verse 5, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I him in him bears much fruit. There's four points we're going to look at. We've read through two of them right now. I'm going to list them for you ahead of time so you can follow along if you're taking notes. Number one, no bearing any fruit if you're not connected to Jesus, verse 4. Forget about it. You're not bearing any fruit. You may have good intentions, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But you will not bear any fruit if you are not connected to Jesus the vine. Number two, we just read verse five. Abiding in Jesus results in bearing much fruit. In fact, if you were taking this and looking at it on a scale of time spent with Jesus equals fruitfulness as an equation, the time spent with Jesus would equal the fruitfulness. So if you want to be fruitful, what do you got to do? You got to spend time with Jesus. I love how Jesus in his example to, to the disciples and to the apostles, he would, he would leave them frequently. <laughs> They're always looking for him. Where did Jesus go? He's spending time with his father. Don't get mad at him. He's, he's allowing himself to be washed and pruned and lifted up so that he could bear much fruit as our example. And did Jesus bear fruit? Oh boy, did Jesus bear fruit. And he's our example. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And if that's not true, I don't know what is. I was... I was uh, I, I wouldn't say confused as a young believer. I just didn't really understand really fully the concept of what it meant to be a Christian. And, and there was times where I thought just doing stuff for God was, was the fruitfulness He was looking for in my life. But there come seasons where I started doing stuff for God that wasn't really born of God. It wasn't motivated by the Spirit. It was just motivated by me. And in the end, when there was little or no fruitfulness that came from it, I was frustrated. Lord, I'm doing this thing for you. Come on. 
Without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. You know, I don't know what other way to express this. So please try to bear with me, okay? But everything, every, every, everything has a purpose. Everything. In the context of the vine, the vine has purpose, the leaves have purpose, the fruit has purpose, the pruning has purpose, the cleaning, the lifting up, it all has purpose. But what purpose does burning those which do not produce fruit have? What, what's, the, what's the benefit? Well, there is a benefit. Fire produces heat. And there is something that's happening there when you burn firewood. In fact, one of our favorite things to do when we go camping is, is, to, is to get a campfire going and roast some s'mores. Hey, but did you ever think about this? I have literally thought about this sitting down at the campfire at our campground. I've thought, this poor tree had no idea. This poor tree, and you know, the tree huggers are sad, but this poor tree, it got chopped up and it's purpose is to keep others warm, is to bring others enjoyment. Now, I'm not trying to make any kind of spiritual implication there. I'm just saying that if there are unfruitful, uh, unfruitful branches, that being put in the fire and burned is something that is inevitable because they can't just throw them to the side and, 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 and be worthless because there is purpose in it still. I don't know if that makes sense, but... If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Now, so many, how many people have, have prayed this before? You guys don't pray? I do. Like, Lord, you said, you said anything I ask. And I have no shorts that fit me anymore. And I have no money. So, Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask for some new shorts, even though summer's over so I can be ready for next summer. Silly, right? I've prayed it. I don't care what you guys think. That's not really what Jesus is saying here, is it? Ask anything that you want and it's going to be given to you because he's a, a genie that just grants three wishes. Okay, Tim, here's your new shorts. Here's your lizard that you wanted. And no, it's connected to what? One word starts with F. It's connected to fruitfulness. It's connected to fruitfulness. So if you're praying for something and asking God for something that is not going to be able to work in you and through your life to produce more fruit, why would he give it to you? Nay, why should he give it to you? Why should he? God, this is something that's going to produce fruit in my life. Can I have it? You know what I think I would say? Absolutely absolutely. And how do we know if it's something that produces fruit in our lives? That's up to you. That's what you got to think through and process. God, is this going to produce fruit unto your glory, or is this going to produce fruit unto my glory? Did you guys see Tim's new shorts? Those things are awesome. Who's going to be giving glory to God for my shorts? Nobody. Because I shouldn't be receiving any of the attention or glory. The Lord should be receiving that attention. So when I pray a prayer, 
that inhibits the Holy Spirit to produce certain fruits in my life, God takes delight in answering. There's only one prayer you don't want to pray. I'll throw this out there for you guys this morning. Don't pray for patience, okay? We all know why. It's not just like a magical gift that you get. <laughs> the Lord brings situations where it require patience. I'm just kidding. He's gracious too and merciful. And if we pray, God, I want to be more patient with my kids. He doesn't make them more crazy. So we're tested and pushed to the limit even more. And he does. <laughs> but maybe he gives you the extra grace for it. And then this is it. Here's two key verses we're going to look at today. This is the first one. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. By this, who's glorified? God the Father. He is glorified that you bear much fruit, which is an indicator that you truly are one of my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will also abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Great love has no one than this, than to lay one's life down for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. What's the next thing that Jesus goes so easily and naturally right into two very evident, very coveted fruits of the Spirit. Love and joy. Because who doesn't love love? Who doesn't want love? Who of us gives love? And joy is a huge contender. And Jesus says, here's two fruits of the Spirit that I'm going to give you an example of. If you abide in me, I will abide in you and love will be manifested. If you abide in me and I, will abide, I abide in you, joy will be manifested. And if those th two fruits are evident clearly by simply abiding in the vine, abiding in Jesus, then the others trail along. They come uh, also quickly. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. This is also, we're not going to get into it today too much, but this is also, uh, as the scripture says, that we cannot say that we hate our brother and, and be a genuine believer, right? So Jesus says, if, if I love you, my love is in you, your love is in me, then the natural process would be that you would love others, that you would love others. See how the fruits that are born in our lives glorify God? Because love is glorifying to God. Loving others is glorifying to God. And through that love comes joy and peace. And we'll look at some of the other fruits that are born no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things 
that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. It gets deeper. Do you guys feel it? In those verses, do you feel it getting deeper? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. Isn't that a glorious truth that God has chosen me to bear fruit, not that I have chosen him that I would bear fruit? Because when the terms are my terms, unfortunately, things aren't as consistent as they should be. And there's a responsibility, I feel, that sometimes I neglect or whatever when it's by my terms. But Jesus says, you're not called according to your terms to bear fruit. You're called because I chose you, and that's why you'll bear fruit. Not because of what you do, but because of abiding in me. Many churches today, and this is a sore spot for me, many churches today, they try to put the cart before the horse and say, you have to serve, and by your fruit you will show that you are a Christian. Instead of being connected to the vine and allowing the fruit that's produced to show that you are a Christian. We don't want service to God. We want fruitfulness to God. And fruitfulness only comes from obedience, and obedience only comes from abiding in the vine. Like he said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, and this is my commandment, love one another. If I commanded you to serve one another, and the difference is I also commanded you to love one another, how would you approach the relationships that you would have with other people? If I told you to serve them, you would, look at it as, as, you would look at it as duty. But if I told you to love them, you would look at it as relationship and you would be serving them as well. Does that make sense? That's what produces fruitfulness in a Christian's life. Not telling them what to do or having them do certain things because they should as a Christian fruitfulness comes from abiding in the vine. It's a calling. Jesus chose us to do it, that we would bear fruit and the fruit would remain. Whenever I bear fruit that's born in and of myself, it's temporary. It doesn't remain. When I bear fruit of the Lord, it remains forever. In fact, there's other scriptures that we can tie this to that we could, as Jesus said, lay up our treasures in heaven isn't treasure a form of fruitfulness? It's the benefit. And he says, lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where rust and moth cannot destroy and thief cannot come in, break in and steal. It's eternal. It's eternal fruit that's born from those who walk in the Spirit of God. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you again. He says it twice and he says it clearly. If you want to be a fruitful believer... If you want your life to exhibit who God is and what He's called you to do, all you have to do is simply ask. I remember I told you guys the story of when I first, my first real outcry to God when I was 16, laying in my waterbed, and that was really the 
That's right, waterbed. The 80s were still, you know, on the tip of your taste of your tongue. When I prayed, God, I, I want to be a better Christian. I don't know what it means to be a Christian. I want to be more like you. That's a prayer that God can get behind, right? And what happens is he answers and gives me opportunity to know him, reveals himself to me. And as he reveals himself to us individually and corporately as a church, we start to produce more fruit. Now listen to this, okay? Fruit is appealing. People like fruit. You said it in the beginning, remember? So you can't take it back now. Fruit is appealing. Fruit is a blessing. And people want fruit. And this is how a part of, I think, revival happens. Fruit is being born in an individual's life. Fruit is being born in the corporate level of church, corporately, as they're together. The world sees the the righteous fruit that the church is bearing, and they want to bear it too. They want to have joy. They want to have peace. They want to have love. They want to have long-suffering. And people come and hear the word of God, and it transforms their life, and they confess their sins, and they're forgiven of their sins, and they start a right relationship with God. And then before you know it, they start to produce fruit under solid biblical teaching. And then more people are coming, and they're here, and the fruit is being produced, and it's, it's, it's elegant. It's beautiful. People want it. So when I seek to be fruitful in my own life first, what I'm doing is I'm starting the revival with me. And you're starting with you. And then as a church, as we grow towards God and say, God, we want to be fruitful as individuals. We want to be fruitful as a church. We start to become fruitful and it's appealing to others. And then God starts to touch people's hearts and they get saved. The fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And when we walk in the Spirit... We're in the word, we're abiding in the vine, we're producing much fruit. In closing, last question. What season of fruitfulness are you in right now? Because not only do we bear fruit in season and, and, and daily to some degree or another, but I believe as Christians we are each in a season of particular fruitfulness and that we could hone in on the fruit that God is desiring to produce for our life. And we can allow him to lift us up and wash us off and clip out what doesn't need to be there. An example, if, if you guys are following me, an example would be, are you uh, producing the fruit of patience in your life right now? Is that the season of fruitfulness that you're in? Is it a season of love? Is it a season of joy? Is it a season of self-control? Whatever the case may be, I believe if it's not one, it can be multiple that we can identify so that we can submit to God asking Him that we may be more fruitful.
In Jesus' name, let's pray. God, we really, really, really want to be more fruitful. We do, and you said it twice, you said to ask. We have experienced fruitfulness this season in our church family. Over the summer, the last couple months, we've seen fruitfulness on an individual level. We've seen fruitfulness on the whole church level, God. And we are so honored and blessed that our fruit that's being born would glorify you, our Father in heaven. We love you, Lord. We ask that you would make us more fruitful that you would demonstrate your mercy and grace towards us in whatever season of fruit we're bearing. And that as we submit to you, that you would be cleansing us and lifting us up and pruning us to produce the fruit of your glory that we so want you to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.